This is episode 229 of Bella in Your Business. Hi there, I'm Bella Vaster from Jump Consulting. You might know me from CBS, NBC, Fox, Huffington Post, Entrepreneur, or maybe you've seen me speak on stage or read my book, The Four Dogs That Every Business Owner Needs. In any case, get ready because you're about to get your hashtag Bella butt kicking in this next episode of Bella in Your Business. So what do you say? Let's get ready and jump. Welcome to another episode of Bella in Your Business. My name is Bella Vasta, and today I have Dr. Rico with us. I brought her on because you guys, the year 2020 and this pandemic has really taken a toll on a lot of us. And I think the one thing that we really need to address on this podcast is mental health. Now, everyone deals with this very differently. It has definitely become a buzzword, but I really wanted to get in the nitty gritty of it and really talk about things like how to know and what the signs are of depression, of stress, of if this pandemic has adversely affected our lives or those around us, those people like our spouses or our children, and what we can do to help ourselves or the ones that we love. And maybe even talk about a little bit about how we can get over that stigmatism of therapy or depression. Um, Because I know a lot of people are also very afraid to take that first step. So without further ado, Welcome to the show, Dr. Rika. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you about all of this, especially given the year that I think we've all had. It's been very stressful, lots of twists and turns. And certainly, I think, uh, you know, we can all agree that this was not expected for us when we were, you know, rang in the new year last year. And hopefully, we have some better news on the horizon. But for now, it's, it's taken a toll on a lot of us. And so I appreciate you creating a forum for us to be able to sort of talk about this a little bit and spread the word about the fact that it's okay not to be okay about all of this and a lot of other things as well. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for being here. For our listeners, I already kind of know you and an interesting Mm -hmm. story through one of our former mastermind members who actually was your pet sitter. Um, Go ahead and tell us where you located and Mm -hmm. um, who are you? What do you do briefly? Yeah, so I'm located in San Diego, California. I am a licensed clinical psychologist down here, and I provide psychotherapies and other psychological services to mainly adults here in the community. But I founded my practice here actually at the beginning of COVID. I've always wanted to open up my practice down here. It was actually up in Toronto for a very long time. And that's how we have our mutual friend. Uh, She was our dog walker up there and created an amazing dog walking business and cat sitting business up there. And she's just been a rock star up there. But anyways, we like to think that we're one of her first clients. So we love her up there. But uh, anyways, we moved down here a couple of years ago and I've always dreamt of opening my practice down here. And then obviously COVID hit and there was a moment of, Like, oh, what do we do now? But, you know, it was just so clear to me that the mental health needs were going to be significant during the pandemic and afterwards. Um, And so I just decided that this is the time to be able to offer those services up to the community down here. So that's who I am. That's what I do. And I'm extremely passionate about the work that I do. And so are all of the other clinicians in my practice. And um, I'm just so excited to, to be able to sort of talk about, you know, why it's so important to think about our mental health, especially with everything that we have going on with COVID-19. Fantastic. 
Fantastic. Okay. So let's start on a higher level. Let's start about how do we even know if we or someone we love has been adversely affected, whether it's like, how do we recognize the signs of stress or depression in our lives? Yeah. Yeah. So you know, red flags that should go off. This is a really interesting question that I think a lot of people ask either myself or Dr. Google a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And um, there are a few sort of key symptoms that we look for um, when we're looking at things like stress or anxiety with the big uh, depression with the big D, anxiety with the big A, right? But and I, what I want to be really careful about with some of these like checklists, because you can Google that and find that online and stuff, is just the idea that it can look and feel really different across individuals. And a lot of it sits on a spectrum. And the idea is to really know if there's been a significant change within yourself. So some things that we can think about in terms of for things like depression, like are there persistent feelings of like feeling low or sad or not having interest in things that used to interest you. So if you used to enjoy, I don't know, playing video games or something like that, and now you're just kind of eh about it, right? Or um, you used to enjoy connecting with your friends, even over the phone and with the pandemic, you're just kind of like, oh, there's no point. There's no point in the Zoom. It's not the same. You know, When things like that happen, when things aren't as enjoyable as they used to be, if there's a persistent feeling of sadness, you can't shake it. It's just kind of a dark cloud looping over you, kind of following you around everywhere. You know, you find yourself being a bit more pessimistic or, you know, like there's not going to be ever a positive outcome or you're worried all the time, constantly, so much that it's difficult to concentrate. Maybe you're not eating as well, or you're eating more, or you're sleeping less, sleeping more. You can't sit still, or you can't move your body. Uh, Your body feels heavy even, right? All those types of things can be signs of depression or anxiety, right? Um, And the idea there is that if there's a significant change in terms of your level of distress, or the degree to which you're able to engage in your life, so things like work or your relationships with people or um, just even getting stuff done around the house. If those things shift in significant ways, those are times when we want to say, mm, you know, maybe maybe there's something more going on here than sort of my usual ebb and flow of, oh yeah, I was stressed this week, but you know, I see the rest on the horizon and, and it's it'll be okay. You know, when it's sort of, when we don't see that break in the horizon anymore, that's sort of when we kind of have to say, okay, maybe I need to pay a bit more attention here, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. So those are going to be signs to look for uh, in ourselves or our loved ones. You know, with ourselves, I think, I guess it's a two-part question. Let's. My brain's going too fast here. How, yeah. If we see this in like maybe our children or our spouse or our friends, do you have any recommendations on how to approach a conversation like this to just tell them that, I mean, obviously we can't drag them to help, right? But just kind of like open a, a dialogue that's safe and supportive and non-judgmental, but concerning, you know? Absolutely. I think it can be really... So the first thing is that these signs and symptoms can look very different in kids as well. So that's something that that we kind of have to keep in mind, you know, for them, it might be more behavioral changes or more of the somatic symptoms, like the things that we they're feeling in their bodies. For kids, it's kind of hard sometimes for them to articulate exactly what's going on with their mood or their thoughts and things like that. 
So that's something to keep in mind, which is why it's hard to say this. These are the key things because it kind of can depend on your age or, you know, cultural background potentially, right? There's like all sorts of stuff that can contribute to it, but any major shifts is what we're basically looking for there. And then in terms of how to support somebody that you love and care for, I think, you know, the challenging part is I think people have um, a lot of anxiety around this because there's kind of this idea that, well, like, I don't want to give them an I- the idea or like, I don't want to make it worse by talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, something to keep in mind is that Often when people are in this state of mind, it's not necessarily that you're not going to give them an idea, right? Like you're, you're either like feeling it or they're not and they can confirm it or, or not, right? So you're not going to, you can't like give someone any of these feelings, you know, if they're not there. Um, so it's just sort of kind of giving ourselves a break on that and to be able to say, okay, so then it's just about being providing a safe space, right? To be able to say, if there's something going on here, regardless of whether or not it's something that, you know, we have to say, oh, you need to go see a professional or or not, right? Um, if we just kind of create open spaces for each other along the way, I think it makes it a lot less scary because then we can just say, hey, we just, I just want to check in with you because I know it's been hard for me. Right. I know that I struggle because like I said, all this stuff is on a continuum between what's quote unquote normal and quote unquote abnormal. Right. And so anyone could read sort of the the diagnostic manual, the DSM and say, you know, you could self-diagnose if you're just kind of reading through because like a lot of these things, it's like, sure, we felt some of these some days. Right. A lot of it is about sort of really the severity of the symptoms or the chronic, you know, chronicity or like how, you know, prolonged these symptoms or how much of an effect it has on someone's life. And so, you know, to be able to like go and make a diagnosis and do a full assessment, like we leave that up to a professional. So if we take that off our shoulders, like we're not here to diagnose anything, right? Just as a family member or as a friend, then we can kind of say, okay, well, we just want to know what's going on, right? And that's not any different from when your friend is feeling or a family member is feeling good about things you want to know about what's going on. And we also know about, want to know about when things aren't going great, because that's sort of what these relationships are about. And just being able to have a space to talk about these things can be really helpful for the person who's going through it, right? Um, Right. It's not as if like when we talk to our friends about the things that are bothering us, we want them to necessarily or expect them to necessarily fix the problem. It's just nice to know that you're not necessarily sitting in it alone, Mm -hmm. right? And that can relieve a lot, a ton of pressure. So I think if we take the pressure off of ourselves in terms of like what we're supposed to do in these conversations and just say, well, what would I normally do? Like I would probably check in with my friend. I would probably check in with my family member, you know, regardless, because that's what's been maintaining the relationship. And if we can kind of say, okay, and then the job is just to sort of provide the safe space and not be afraid to ask certain questions because it's not going to cause one thing or another other than to sort of maybe provide a moment of relief to say, oh my gosh, I have a place to talk about this. Right. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Just knowing someone's there does make all the difference in the world Mm -hmm. um, because oftentimes you start getting secluded. And I'm speaking from my own experience, you guys, for all the listeners, I, two years ago, had depression and Mm -hmm. I was on Zoloft and not a lot of you knew it, but (laughs) it was around the time where uh, my marriage was falling apart and I was dealing with a lot. And Mm -hmm. so you guys, this is something that I think you, it's important that we have this conversation on the podcast so that you know 
that you're not alone or so that if you haven't been plagued with it, that you can be equipped to recognize signs of other people, you know, because I think that depression uh, makes you feel like you're in a hole and it makes you feel like I don't want to rain on anyone else's parade and make them feel this way. Anxiety makes you also kind of recluse a little bit because you feel like nobody can help you and everything's hitting you at once. And again, Mm -hmm. this is my own personal experience. So I think it's really important for you guys to to hear. And I'm so happy that you're listening right now, just for yourself or for those around you. Dr. Rika, can you talk to me a little bit more about, I didn't prep you for this. I apologize. It's just something that came to my head um, about, you know, if we're going to get help, all this online or virtual therapy that's happening. And I know a lot of, of health plans are saying, you know, you can go talk to someone for free or there's apps or there's, it's almost this like explosion, uh, Mm -hmm. at least from what I'm seeing in the social media aspect, an explosion of offerings to talk or listen or be there. Can you share some insight on that? Absolutely. So it's really interesting because my practice obviously started during a time when it's been virtual and it it will likely continue to be virtual. Um, But before, you know, I've had a dream about my practice since, you know, way before the pandemic. And telehealth has actually always been a very important component of my idea for my practice. And and so the explosion of telehealth offerings and, you know, uh, insurance companies sort of embracing of it for the moment, and hopefully in the longer term in some capacity, is something that is very, very, very exciting for me, in the sense that this is sort of a background story. I mean, maybe not necessary, but I'll give it anyway, is that, uh, you know, I used to work in Toronto. And then in the winters, we would come down to California because my husband's in California and he's not a big snow person. And it's really hard to live in Toronto in the winters if you're not a big snow person. And so we would come down here in the winters and I would see my clients up in Toronto through telehealth. And just from my experience in doing that, it was just such a great thing to be able to offer my clients in terms of accessibility to care that they would not otherwise have had, because obviously we would have had to stop during that time if we didn't have the telehealth option, continuity of care. You know, there were people coming who would otherwise have to kind of fly into Toronto. It's like a big metropolitan hub within Ontario for people who might not be familiar. And so like people would fly from other parts of Ontario to get their healthcare in Toronto. And so, you know, I would have people who would fly in and for their appointments. And, you know, I, I would be one of the people there and I'd be like, I don't, <laughs> you don't have to fly to see me, you know, we're, we're talking, right? Like the nature of this. And so, and, you know, we know through research that when it's used appropriately and for the right client fit, it can be just as good and potentially have other benefits, obviously, like I was saying, in terms of accessibility and continuity of care and all that stuff, that it can be just as good as an in-person experience. I think for a while, the psychology or mental health community, there were people who were like me who were really embracing it and excited for it. Um, And I think there were people who were like, I don't quite know. And then obviously COVID hit and then everyone was kind of forced to start providing services through telehealth. And I think for the most part, it's opened everyone's minds, both like from a client perspective and the therapist perspective in terms of being able to say, hey, we can actually do a lot of things virtually through telehealth. And there's a lot of really great benefits to doing it this way. Uh, You know, one of the things that I love from like a clinical perspective is that I kind of get to see, you know, my clients in their environment. 
which is not something that I get to have when they come into my office, you know, when they're talking about their dog or a spouse or whatever, you know, whatever it may be, oh, we're doing renovations to the house or things like that. Like, these are the types of things that I can actually see when we're doing the, you know, the virtual telehealth type of work, whereas before it would be something that other, otherwise you would just kind of have to imagine, right? Um, so you yeah. get a lot more information and people can share a lot more things. And I think the work in that way can actually be just a different type of experience that can be. Sure. Yeah. That can be really helpful. So I think it's a really beautiful, great thing. Also in terms of accessibility to really expert care, the field of psychology is really specialized, just like medicine, right? There's medicine, you have like your dermatologists and your orthopedists and, you know, all the radiologists, all this kind of stuff. And it's similar in psychology. Not every psychologist treats every condition. And used to be that there was a really a need for a more generalist model because you might be the only person in town with any sort of mental health background. And so that made sense. But now with telehealth, you know, you can access the care from the experts who are in sort of the bigger sort of metropolitan areas. You can access them without having to drive the hour and a half and find the parking and do the thing. And you could literally just hop on on your phone or on your laptop and get that expert care. So I think it's really, really awesome. And I'm, you know, really, really confident that it's here to stay. And mental health for sure. And I think in other fields as well, I think people are recognizing, hey, this is a, a better way to sort of access care. So that's my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Awesome. Awesome. So basically what I'm hearing is that the telehealth is something that is a great asset because you can really access people that sometimes your geographical limitations might have prevented you from. So Absolutely. that sounds amazing. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So as we kind of draw the show to a close, I just kind of want to offer up back to you, Dr. Rika, any closing final thoughts before I close up the show about any of what we just talked about? I would just say thank you so much, Bella, for, you know, creating a space to just talk about this a little bit. I think the more that we talk about it, the less sort of stigma there can be around it, you know, um, and sort of this idea that like, you know, it's, it's all in a continuum and it's, you know, life is hard, especially 2020 has been hard and it's okay to reach out for help. It's okay to talk about the things that are stressing us out, that are things that are keeping us depressed or feeling anxious or any of that stuff. And it's important to sort of, like I said, give ourselves in each other the space to talk and just to feel and be. And it's also okay to reach out for professional help. As therapists, we're, you know, we're just people too, and we're, we're happy to help. And there's lots and lots and lots of ways that therapy can be helpful. And so if you're curious at all, I encourage anybody uh, out there to just reach out to, you know, a mental health provider near them. If you're in California, you can always give me a call or shoot me an email um, or reach out to me. We're at Coronado Psych coronatopsych.com and browse our website to learn a little bit more about what all this stuff is. But, you know, if you're not in California, if you're in other places, I certainly encourage you, if you're curious at all to understand, just, just kind of reach out to somebody closer to you or, uh, and whatnot. And, um, the benefits are huge. And so it's, I think the Absolutely. investment is, um, well worth it for most people. So. Absolutely. So you guys, to recap, just talk, you got to get outside of your own head. If you keep it in your own head, it's torture or 
or those around you. Just create a safe space, allow other people to talk because sometimes it just needs to get out of their head and they need to know that they're not alone. Remember that this is not always just about ourselves. Keep an open mind. If you are doing great through this, that is amazing. Okay. But there's others that aren't. So I want you to remember the whole, be kind for everyone is fighting their own battle saying, and just remember that the better that you can be mentally inside of your own head, inside of your own space, the better business leader you can be and the better leader in your family, over your community, um, over your employees. Um, and this is also actually is the first time I'm saying this, this whole episode, but this is something to look for in your employees as well. If you guys want to continue this conversation, I'd love to just tag me in wherever you found this, this show podcast. this podcast recording and we're going to keep that in we are not editing that out um (laughs) because that's real life and as a disclaimer this is a conversation none of us are diagnosing or telling you what to do or anything like that this is just a conversation you need to seek your own professional help should you feel that way you guys i end every single podcast with the same words and now more so than ever that i mean it When life gets you down, always keep jumping. Thanks for listening. So what did you think? Did you love this episode? I sure hope you did because I put a lot of love into this for you. Uh, The best way you can show me that is by going to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcast and go ahead and leave a review. I just might read it on the next episode. I also want to remind you that when life gets you down, remember to always keep jumping. Thanks for listening.